0: As Paul, or as Aaron already shared, we are in a new series. We're talking about uh, a new series in 1 Corinthians. We're reading from 1 Corinthians. And the title of the series is The Antidote of a Gospel-Centered Life. What a mouthful. I'm not joking. I, I, I thought about it. It's kind of a wordy um, title for a series. But hopefully as we're going along, you're going to understand the reason for this. Because it makes perfect sense... As we read through the epistle from the Apostle Paul, Paul is writing to a church that he loves. Now, I'm going to, if you have never experienced being poisoned, if you've never experienced this, you need to be very thankful. You need to be absolutely so, you do not understand how blessed you are. Because you see, um, you can be poisoned by something, lots of things. In fact, you can be poisoned by something that attacks you. Um, there, there is creatures on this world that we all know that actually have this desire to, you know, f- to get a prey. But they have an interesting, uh, unique weapon. They have what's called poison. Because you know what? Normally their bite is not actually enough to harm you. But now they have an addition, uh, additional uh, thing to them that can allow them to actually dismantle even up to an elephant. The king cobra itself can actually take out an elephant because of the venom that it's in its mouth, poisonous glands. You see a, a stinger bite by itself isn't going to kill. A snake cannot kill a an elephant. But now there's a new element that actually can do incredible harm. Now if I, and, and the neat thing is, if I came thinking about that type of poison, most of you can avoid that pretty easily. If I came with you at the king cobra, now I would find that most of you, except a few thrill seekers and maybe snake charmers, might be able to. But most of you, if, I, if you saw me running at you with a snake, you'd probably go, whoa, let's avoid that. That's maybe not the pastoral thing to be doing in this thing, in this church. We don't believe in snake charming and, ha- and handling snakes. I mean, it's not part of our church. You would so easily avoid that. You could avoid that. But there is another type of poison. And it's a poison that's actually ingested. It's a it's poison that you can actually take. And this is a little bit more insidious. Because you know what? This type of poison, you it can look absolutely harmless. Like you're eating food, regular food, but there's something in this food that is a detriment to your body. Have you ever experienced that? Well, uh, I, one day, I, uh, a couple years ago, uh, I was invited by a friend. I was a, I was a youth pastor at Gateway here for about 12 years. And in my couple years first here, um, if any of you guys don't know, a gentleman named Henry Pops. Henry Pops invited me to go to uh, for lunch, and he asked me if I'd like to go to dim sum. I have never, been, never had dim sum. So I was like, this is going to be a cool experience. So I got there, and he said, hey, Norma, what would you like? And I said, you surprise me. Well, was I in for a surprise? <laughs> oh, baby. What happened was this. is I, As I'm suddenly eating, or getting stuff, getting food, and getting these little dumpling things, suddenly this thing came out, and it was like a pink patty and I, I looked at this thing and I actually started giggling because I'm thinking like it's a Krabby Patty from Sp- Spongebob Squarepants. Like it's literally, I'm looking at a Krabby Patty. But I don't know what it is, but I just, I just thought, okay, good, this is, you know, I'm get you know, it's kind of, I start eating this thing and I'm talking with, and he's asking me some questions and just, and, then, and about three minutes in, I can almost to the, to like, tick, 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 tick three minutes, all of a sudden, clunk, And my stomach just started to turn. (laughs) I literally, I'm just like... uh, And I... I, I, Excuse me, Henry. uh, I just got to go to the bathroom. Now, I'm trying not to make a fuss because he's paying for this meal. And I don't want to, you know, I want to look like pretty cool about it, you know. So I, I go to the bathroom. Now, when I'm in the bathroom, no sooner has I got into the thing... I just started to heave. Like, I am talking like no tomorrow. I am now... It's terrible. I am I'm going to town for minutes. To Even to the place where now I'm into the dry heaves. Ever been in there? Well, I am now at the worst place where you could possibly be. And after about several minutes of this, I finally get my composure. Nothing is left in my stomach anymore. And I have cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me several times? I, uh, I then went to the to the to look at the mirror, and my eyes are completely bloodshot. I look like literally. I think I've even almost burst blood vessels. So I'm trying to splash water so I look like I know. Oh, I just thought I washed my got some soap in my eye or something. I'm trying to look cool. I walk out and I, I sit down. and I'm, oh, yeah, hi Henry. Sorry about that. And he's like, yeah, are you feeling okay? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. Well, that's not what it sounded like. What we heard in the bathroom. Apparently, like everybody in the whole restaurant, here's my wonderful taste of the Krabby Patty. And anyway, I, 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 to this day, if anyone says, would you like to go to, for dim sum? There's a knee-jerk reaction to me going, no, 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 thank you. No, 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 you will not get me in a million miles near a Krabby Patty. Um, You see, that experience caused me to understand there are things that are not good for me and for my body. There's actually things that are out to kill me and I might even ingest them and I have no idea. It was actually a, a revelation for that in, a, in almost our physical body. But what about if our spiritual body, What we think about in that context? You see... The funny thing was this, is I actually knew that my body reacted to shell, uh, shellfish. I, I was starting to get a shellfish allergy. And so I kind of knew that this, this stuff doesn't really do good for me. But for some crazy reason, I still tried to eat this little Krabby Patty. And, um, and, and the reason was because when I was younger, I used to eat s- seafood all the time. I love lobster and I love crab. I just did it all the time. And so in my sense, it was like, this was just what I love to do. And I I didn't realize that my body had changed, and now it's actually harmful. It acts like a poison to me. Because I have now had a change inside me, internally. Well, now comes a struggle. I used to eat foods like this, but now it causes serious harm to my body, so in the context of First Corinthians, I, 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 I have a, a poisonous response to shellfish. But what I understand, what Paul is going to try to talk to is, it's like living in a, in a world that everywhere sells you seafood. And that's what we're living in. That's First Corinthians. And I love it because what I I think this way, Nikki, uh, she loves me. So she will give me instructions. She's like, Norm, don't eat this. Make sure you watch out for this because you know the reaction it will give you. She actually is going to be a person that will help me and kind of give me an antidote so that there are ways that I will not let this poison ingest me. She's kind of like the Apostle Paul in my life as far as the Corinthians would be. Someone who loves me enough to tell me what I need to hear, not what I think that I want to hear, but what I need to hear. Because of the actual reality of this stuff that could kill me, or is out to kill me, I guess. And so, Paul is writing an instruction basically to give an antidote to what the church was facing in Corinth. And it's a very practical book. It's very relevant to, this, to us today. Because Paul is speaking to the church that is dealing with so many topics. The letter is meant to give us, think about actually every area of your life. If you read through it, you will cover through the, every part that you could possibly think you'd have a question for. This is addressed in this book. But it's through the lens of the gospel. It's how the gospel is meant to affect, or, or affect our, our relationships how it affects actually our marriage and our families how it affects our our sexuality it actually affects every single part that it's the antidote to everything else that is trying to steal kill and destroy paul actually addresses everything in this book from community divisions in the church like i said god's sex marriage business actually Well, we can even get out from dating. Did you know that? Divorce, politics, philosophy, parenting, lawsuits. And actually, what does it mean to be a church? All of this he will address in Corinthians. It's a very, very practical, practical book. Oh, he even talks about tongues. And if you don't know what that is, if you're a new believer, what, they talk about tongues? That's interesting. What is that about? He's not talking about this tongue. He's talking about spiritual tongue. We'll get into it later. Don't get too confused. Anyway. But he talks about lots of gifts and things that we've received. All the topics. Did you know what 2,000 years later, we're still hitting all those same issues in the church and how do we address these things? And so, this book becomes a real encouraging word for us. A gospel-centered life because the church was dealing with the poison of the culture around them. And he reminds us today that Jesus comes into this world and he pronounces that the kingdom of God is at hand. And what does it mean to be in the kingdom again? The kingdom actually is not like this world. So, this morning, I'm going to just do two things. Because it's an intro and we're just starting off this series. Uh, We're going to dive into this letter to the church in Corinth. But I want to do this. The first thing is, I'm just going to lay out a context for the first letter to the Corinthians. I, I want to just get a picture of Corinth. And then the second thing is this. And secondly, I hope to counter one poison that kills our spiritual life with the antidote of the gospel-centered life. I want to give you an antidote today. Well, here we go. If you have your Bibles, please open it to First uh, Corinthians chapter 1. And uh, we're going to read the first couple verses. The verses are actually up here on the screen, so if you want to follow along. But please, feel free to look at it, and Holy Spirit can speak to you more ways than just me, right? So, let's, let's read. First Corinthians chapter 1. Paul, called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother Sothesthenes. Sothesthenes. Sothesthenes? That's right. Isn't that neat? Called by the will of God. You recognize that? All called? To the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from our, Lord, from our God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a, it's a general, you, one of Paul's favorite, hey, welcome everybody. And I love it because he was saying something that, very, that Aaron was actually alluding to. You know what? You know today, you, as just asking upon Jesus, you're now in the family? That's how you... It's really simple. To all of you who believe in him. That's Paul saying. Well, the first thing he wants to do is he's going to set up to the church in Corinth. Well, okay. Well, what is this? It's the context. If, if you and I would go, well, what's Corinth? Or who's Corinth? Or why Corinth? Or whatever. Well... Paul is, if you, if you don't know this, Paul is in the middle of his second missionary journey. And if you know the history, Paul had been saved radically. He encountered Jesus, literally he was going the opposite way, he was living for himself, he was in fact persecuting Christians, handing them off to prison, and suddenly Jesus meets him and says, why are you persecuting me? Wait, you're not persecuting the church, you're persecuting me. And Paul has this radical encounter and suddenly says, whoa, I'm living the wrong way. And he became a Christian. But no, he's not just a Christian. He he knows that he's called to go tell others. An apostle, a sent one. And so he did his first missionary journey. He's now on his second one. And we can read this in the book of Acts, in Acts 18. This is the fifth city that he has now gone to. So you can see, he likes doing this. He likes telling other people about Jesus. Well, why would he like telling people about Jesus? Well, when you meet him, when you understand what he's taking you out from, it's you get pretty pumped. Uh, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. Many of you guys know that. I grew up in a home that actually, um, well, my parents struggled like crazy with alcoholism. I remember that ever since, from ever, that what i tended to do is play and, and be the good kid, because I didn't want to get, you know, I, I'd love to entertain and stuff, and another having their party and drinking, while the Norm's being the cute kid. But as I grew up as a teenager, I actually just loved hanging in my bedroom, because I didn't want to be other, because I knew what happened, as the drinking went on to the night, then it would get into the ugliness, and then there'd be crying, and then there'd be, and I'm out there, no mom, it's okay, it was all that, I, and I absolutely, to this day, absolutely hate what I know alcohol can do. I hate it because I know what it was in, in that broken family. And so I looked for, well, what is, you know, I, I know my family, they loved me, they were, my dad was a hard worker, but he was kind of an a, a Gnostic. basically is this, yeah, I believe in a God, but he does his thing and I'll do my thing. And it's not like him providing food on the table for me, I provide the food, It's because he grew up kind of in a Catholic background and his parents kind of said, you just kind of what do you want to believe? Something inside me said, no, I believe that there is a something that has created me. I don't, I, for some reason, I don't know what was inside me was going. It takes me more faith to believe that I just happened. There has to be a God. I just didn't know what he was or like. And so when I did hear the gospel for the first time, that God so loved me and that he would die for me to bring me and to actually show me that he brought me into a family, I was like, I'm in. That's how I became Christian. Well, I think Paul was the same. And he actually, he was doing this, sharing the gospel. He lives in Corinth for about one and a half years. Because... What he found, it's easy to come and preach, but it's harder to live with the people, because then they have to see the life you're living, and as they see the life you're living, do you really have what it takes? And they saw that Paul actually was living this. He wasn't just a traveling messenger, yes he was, but he was going to plant churches and tell people of what Jesus could do. And what happened was this: is Paul then says, "Okay, I know God's called me on." He goes to move on to Thessalonica, and no, sorry, I think it's Athens and. Better. Antioch, thank you. I was like, Thessalonica came before it. So Antioch and Ephesus, that's the next two. He's moving on to that. And as he's going on to help plant churches, do it. all of a sudden, he gets word. Suddenly, one of his guys come back and say, Paul, Paul, guess what's happening in the church in Corinth? You won't believe what's going on. And he starts to hear the reports, and he's like, oh my. And this letter you're reading is actually his response back to them because he loves them. He loves them so much he's going to actually try to give them some help in the antidote to what they're needing because they had become a part of more like the culture. And he's trying to help this church who's living in Corinth to not become or to become different in this society. And you know what this letter is the best book for us because Winnipeg would be like Corinth. Really? Yeah. Why? Because Corinth actually was a large port city in the ancient world. It, was, it wasn't as prominent as Athens or Rome, but it was, consider, it was considered as a connector. Now, we don't have a port like they did, like they, but we are actually a connector city. Did you know that we smack dab in the middle of Canada not quite Toronto, not quite Vancouver, not quite Calgary. We're not that big, but we have a very big part. Corinth, the Corinth was actually this hub, and it was used by the Romans like crazy. It was actually a place that could connect to the rest of the realm. It was a central place. It had prominence. Though most of the Corinthians didn't think that way. It was the Economic Trade Center because of its location. In fact, they had the nations coming to us. Did you know we have the nations coming to Winnipeg? Well, the nations are going to Corinth. And similar to Corinth, one of the things was, they were so proud of their athletics. Did you know the Corinthians loved their athletics? They had this thing called the Isthmian Games. The Isthmian Games was like the Olympics every two years. And they would, everybody was into this. Like, it was like, I imagine if you, this is what happened in Corinth. On those days, you would hear them running down the streets going, Go, flying chariots, go! Go, flying chariots, go! In their white togas. Sound like anybody? Do you know? Does it sound like anyone that would do like that? Like, be absolutely nuts over some crazy sporting event? Oh, no, no. I mean, have you ever been to a Jets game? Just asking... Yeah. Corinth was a place that was diverse. It was, it was actually uh, so diverse in its spirituality and in its religious practices. Traveling speakers would come to this place. They'd, they were all allowed to speak. All could share what they were feeling. And, and they would speak about self-promotion, positive thinking. Yes. And they had philosophy, intellectual thinking that was paramount in this culture. Well, mixed with spirituality. That's the crazy thing. Corinth was a mash of beliefs. Philosoph- philosophy and cultural affected everything. But I'll tell you why it's how much it was, it was religious too. Because Corinth was very similar to Athens. It was only about 100 uh, kilometers away from Athens. And this, this is what Paul said when he came to Athens. In Acts chapter 17... Now Paul was waiting for them at Athens. His spirit was provoked within, within him because he saw that the city was full of idols. In Corinth and in the same with Athens, every street corner had a, had a god. God. In fact, they worshiped some c- cities had we, we worship Zeus or we we Apollo or whatever. These guys, we just we worship everything. They had every single Roman and Greek god there. There were so many gods that the people would could be able to worship and dedicate you just pick the one you want. In fact, there were temples all over the place. So Paul, this is what he did in Athens, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For I passed along and observed the objects of your worship. I found also an altar with this inscription, to the unknown God. Like, in case they missed any gods, they have, if, just in case, there's the unknown God. We're going to make room for if you really, anything goes. So if you even want to worship something you don't know, it's right here. This is the, this is the thought process in the culture in Corinth. And so Paul starts to t- say to him, "'What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. "'The God who made the world and everything, "'it being Lord of heaven and earth, "'does not live in temples made by man, "'nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything.'" since he himself gives to all mankind life, breath, and everything. And he made for one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they would seek God and perhaps feel their way towards him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. As even some of your own poets have said, For we are indeed his offspring. Being then God's offspring, we ought to think that the divine being is not like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. The times of ignorance towards God is now overlooked. He commands all people everywhere to repent. Because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world. The world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And has given the assurance by raising him from the dead. His name is Jesus. This is the message Paul gave to the Corinthians. You worship all these, but you know what? There is actually one God. And he is going to judge. He's close to you. He wants you. To, he, he's actually this whole time like a father reaching out to you, never giving up. But would you receive him? The interesting thing is, very few actually responded to Paul in Corinth. You see, I think it's because there's so many, there were so many things to love in the culture of Corinth. And Paul shows up with an entirely different new faith and worldview. But those that did, received it with joy. You see, because what they were fighting against was the attitude of both Athens and Corinth is what makes us happy is acquiring wealth and power and knowledge and to build a name of yourself. That was the predominant thinking in Corinth. Does it sound familiar to you? Does it sound like what we would struggle living in Winnipeg? In fact, you have a God that fits you. How would you present you are fitted for a God and you were made for Him and not Him for you? That is absolutely crazy. Why would you ever choose that way? And you know what? The belief systems and values went into absolutely everything in Corinth, including topics of sex and sexuality. I, I was driving through uh, Portage in Maine just recently, and, and, uh, and I was driving along, and all of a sudden I, I noticed something. I saw everything colored in rainbow. And I was looking at this, and I thought, wow, you know what? I, I know that for me, the interesting thing is the rainbow is a very significant biblical picture. If you actually read the Old Testament, what happened was this, is that when mankind had fallen away from God, literally gone the other way, God says, I had enough, he actually saved us through a guy named Noah. And what happened was Noah was saved because he went into an ark. God provided a way for him to not go through the punishment because people were being so bad. And at the end of this, of this disaster, Noah comes out and he goes, and what he does, he takes some of those and he sacrifices to God some of these animals, and guess what happens? God says, wow, it's a sweet fragrance that they would worship him and sacrifice. And God then sees this and he says, I'm going to put a rainbow in the sky to promise I will never destroy the earth by a flood. Is that what that wonderful banner is? Like, oh, is that all the rainbows down in the front four? Is that, is that to remind me of that? I have a feeling it's not. In fact, I think if I was to say what I'm thinking, I would get in trouble by saying that because I think it would be counter to the culture. And I, and I, I just sit there and go, what do you do with that living in Corinth. In one simple phrase, the letter is explained. What what Paul is trying to do through this whole book is this. It's a version of Romans 12, but it's just a paraphrase. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You're living in Corinth. You're living in a city that defines things by money or pleasure. And so how do you not live that way? Paul had heard that they were living a life, but the culture had started to come in, and they were actually, um, there was a word that they used back then to the Corinthians. It was, it was a poet that said this about them. It was called Corinthienzo. Corinthienzo was this, it was actually meant to be a fornicator. To Corinthianize something meant that you would take something and make it absolutely sexual, everything. That was the stigma of that city that they were boasting about. And this, how do you not fall into that as a part of, that there is something so beautiful, God says, I created both man and women to live in, a, in union, to love your wife as Christ would love the church. To stay a stain from the things that would be absolutely, do you know how easy it is to get pornography? It was probably so easy for them. Well, no different us in our modern world with technology. How do you live in that sort of bombardment What Paul is trying to say? There's a way. There's a how. And I don't just mean you just receive the gospel, because the gospel is transformative. This is what I found interesting. I was reading this um, little article. It was, a, it was interesting. It was a testimony that shocked me about a recent gang member. Now, I listened to this guy, and he shared how he became a Christian in jail. He was a gang member. He got, got saved. And, he, and I listened to this guy. He's still a gang member. He said it like this. He said, I'm a gang member. Just like you can have a Christian artist, a Christian musician, a Christian politician, I'm a Christian gangster. He goes, all I do is, when I go to you know beat somebody up, I pray. Or when I go to you know, knock them off, I pray. I'm like, What? <laughs> He's my homeboy. Like, no, whoa, 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 wait. wait did, 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 did. How can you live like that? Is that? How can you be a Christian gangster with that? But, I think he was wrestling through, this is my culture and this is who I, how does it mean to be a Christian? Paul is calling them to live a life that flows absolutely counter to Corinth. And so I just want to go into one antidote, one thing for today, a simple antidote. Because Paul does give this, an answer to the gospel. He says this, if you want one thing for today, it's this. The gospel has helped you to not live for yourself. He, he continues on in the next couple of ch- verses. You can follow up here. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. That in every way you've been enriched in him, in all speech and in all knowledge even as the testimony of Christ has confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking any, in any gift. Highlight that. As you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Did you know it's really easy to live for yourself? It's interesting. All you have to do is put a remote control in my hand and suddenly the world is dead to me. And I'm watching my Netflix. <sighs> Honey, can you get... I don't hear nothing. I don't hear anything. Honey, can you help me? Uh, nobody here. It's very easy. How many of you understand that, that challenge of, of suddenly falling into my world, my time, my thing? Anyone? No one? Okay. Glad I'm not alone. I, mean, I, was like, I was feeling a little guilty, buddy. I was like, I'm just, anyway. <laughs> Paul is saying to the church, please understand, because of the grace of God given to you in Jesus, you are not lacking any gift. Why? Why, Why would Paul use this as an opening statement? By the way, you are not lacking any gift. Well, why, what would be the point of that? Well, it's, it's like this. What do you do with a gift? From a gospel-centered life, you who have received a gift, what, are, what is supposed to be your response when you've been given a gift? You understand that the first antidote is you've been given a gift so you can give it away. You have been given all the gifts. You have every single gift. Not so that you can live for yourself, so you can live for others. That's the first thing that he wants to get right off the hop. God has blessed you. You have every spiritual gift. And why is he saying it? So that suddenly there's something implanted in you. Why has he given me this gift? So you're no no longer living for yourself. What a counter thought. If everybody in this city didn't think about themselves, how different would this city be? How different would the church be if we didn't always think about ourselves? Oh, And that's not out of condemnation. That's just saying, there is a poison that always is in, saying, just think about yourself, for crying out loud. But God does not think that way, does he? You are introduced to a gospel that God so loved the world that he gave. You are introduced to a gospel that says, he is not selfish. He actually is so wanting to give and give and give, even when it hurts. Willing to even die. Our world says, You've been given gifts so you can be blessed. But Jesus is teaching us something completely different. It's, You are blessed so you can give. It's better to give than to receive. Absolutely countercultural absolutely the first antidote that god put that in my vein again put that in because i'll tell you what a poison does i didn't i was studying this and i realized do you know what a poison actually does especially a viper what they do is when it hits you it causes a coagulation in the blood what it does is it thickens the blood so it doesn't flow anymore It now will not travel to the heart. It will not travel to the brain because it's gotten thick. Think of the spiritual principle of a poison put in you, nullifying the blood of Jesus in our lives daily. Just think about yourselves. What's the antidote to that? Oh God, you are so good. You have given us everything. All gifts. Everything in our pockets. Go do something with it. See, we weren't built to build our own kingdoms. We were saved out of the kingdom of me. How many of you want to live in the kingdom of me? Well, put a remote control in my hand. And I, get pretty <laughs> I get there. But I, I've tried that. Paul tried that. And he realized that it's actually a place that's dying. When I just saw people seeing about me, they think about, well, as long as I'm drinking, I'm having fun, but I don't. It's not hurting hurting anyone. I'm not even, I've been so blessed because you know what? It says in scripture, it says, do not get drunk on wine. It doesn't say you can't drink. It's not, he's not talking about legalism, but he's talking about something that controls you. It says, do not be drunk, but be filled with the spirit. Do you know what's even better than having, I have never actually been drunk in my entire life. Why? Because I don't want it in my family. I don't want my kids to have to do it, but it was Jesus who saved me from that and said, there's a better way to live in me. I've had moments when I've, he's been so filled with me. I've been like, people thought you're drunk. They're like, you're just laughing at stupid things. You look like you're drunk. In fact, they even blamed the early Christians for the same thing. You look like you're out of your noggin because you actually are happy when you're really sad. Don't people drink when they're sad? To get happy? Yeah, but I've got God in me and he's actually fueling me. He's something inside me that helps me. I got something better than alcohol. Woo! Sorry. (laughs) Oh, sorry about that. Oh. You see, I believe this, that Paul is advocating how he came to know God and this knowledge of Christ has caused him to be so in love with God that he no longer lives for himself. He was focused on sharing the gospel. He emphasized this in greater detail in the end of 1 Corinthians 15, verse 30 and 33. He says, Why am I in danger every hour? I protest, brothers. Be my pride in you, which I have in Christ Jesus my Lord. I die daily. Why is a guy saying, I want to die daily? Because he has something to live for. Paul is advocating, look, I'm dying every hour, guys. But I'm living this life that feels like a death because I'm living counter to the way the world is going. And Paul says, you received a gift. It's a great gift. Please don't live for yourself. This is the the starting place when we look at our society that's broken and hurting. People just living for themselves. The gospel-centered life gives us an antidote. Church, don't live for ourselves. Respond to a broken world. Not with disdain or hatred or fear. Rather, look through the lens of what a gift we receive through Christ. Our perspective is the gift that God has given to us. A lens that we are so blessed and we have so much. How could we not but help that stranger, that person who's hurting and dying? And so you want to pray for them. Although you will be going against everything in this world. It's countercultural. We have the reality that we're living in Corinth. What I love is that Paul has a single-mindedness. He says, "You know what? I just want to preach the gospel." That's what he talks about in 1 Corinthians 17. You see, the things that the world teaches are actually like a poison, and when they creep into our church, they actually can kill. That's what was happening in the Corinth. Do you feel the poison of culture sometimes? What's killing the life flow in Christ in you, in me? What's calling us just to live for ourselves? or And so as we go through this beautiful letter through this next couple of weeks, that's what God's wanting. He's want he's to put the gospel in us to take away the poisons and all the things that we could get so cluttered in, living in Winnipeg, in Corinth. So for us, I just really mean this. I, I, I believe that the context for us is living in Corinth. And I want to encourage you, the first antidote of the gospel-centered life is don't live for yourself. God has given you all the gifts you can use, gifts to those around. Right? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you because you never give up on us. You have never stopped loving even when there's a city that is, or people who, Lord, have just kind of gone wild. Lord, I thank you for people that, Lord, that know that they've received so they can go and share that there's a way better way to live. Lord, we've received that. And I want to pray that today you just help us to put on that helmet of salvation. That right off the beginning of this uh, series that you would start to change and protect our mind and, Lord, give us a new vision I want to pray that antenna to go up really loud. That something of what's actually being communicated. And what am I hearing and what am I listening to? And Lord, there'd be something that would actually shift our perspective. To going, wait a minute, that's like a poison it's killing me. And this, this, this morning, if you are feeling like dead, I have good news for you. There is life. You don't need someone to come and suck the poison out. That actually doesn't work. What you need is to go to the hospital. You need to go to someone who can help you. His name is Jesus. And if you're feeling that today, like, I just feel dead. (laughs) I got good news for you. Oh, I got some really good news for you. Amen?